Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome back into the Card Chronicle podcast, the first in-season for basketball episode of the Card Chronicle podcast. Mike Rutherford in Louisville, Kentucky. Danny Sennard in Columbus, Ohio. Dan, basketball's back. We got the first game of the Mike Pegues era under our belt on Tuesday. We're recording this Friday morning. We are a mere, uh, what, eight hours or so away from Louisville tipping off against Furman, a game that is... A little bit, uh, a little bit dicey, a little bit scary. We're going to talk about that throughout the the course of the pod. But how are the Sonards doing this week? Sonards are doing well. I uh, I had a work trip to lovely. Uh, I was actually kind of near Louisville at one point, but um, just driving through, I was in Evansville, Indiana, and then went up to Bloomington. But um, it's good to be back in Columbus. My so like we're at the age now where like my son is in first grade and like. We lived in Louisville. You know, I lived there my whole life. My my wife lived there after we got married for nine years. So, you know, she is from here, but most of our friends are in Louisville. So, like, up here we know some people, but we're still trying to meet some people as well. Um, and now that my son's in first grade, she's, like, made it, a, a like, a life goal. Like, we're going to get to know his friend's parents and blah, blah, blah. So, like, unbeknownst to me, um, we have one of – Cam's friend's parents, who I've never met, coming over tonight and oh, no. bought a fire pit and everything. I'm like, no. games at seven. What the hell are you doing? So, uh, yeah, I, you know, it's not their fault. These new people that we're about to hang out with, but they're already off to a bad start, just timing wise. Um, but yeah, so I got to figure out how the game's going to work tonight. It's so funny you bring that up. Last night, Mary was talking about, you know, she does these ornament exchanges every year with various groups of, of her girlfriends and they were trying to plan the schedules and all of her, all of our friends who have older kids now, like they've got stuff going on. They've got, to, you know, nights out with other parents. They've got all this stuff going. And Mary's like, they've all made different friends because their kids are getting older. And I'm like, well, I mean, eventually we'll get there too. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking like, God damn it. Like I, we, we've got enough friends. I don't, I don't want to meet you know people. <laughs> I don't want to meet kids, friends, parents. I might not like these people. Like I, I'm not looking forward to this development. As a parent, I don't want to. Do no, that. no Seinfeld episode rings truer than when he's like, you know what? I got enough friends. Like, I don't need any more friends. That's like, how I feel. Hundred percent true. That's how I feel all the time. And what if, like, my biggest fear, especially growing up, having kids grow up in Louisville where I grew up, is that you know my daughter starts dating a kid whose parents, like, whose dad I just hated growing up. Like, like it could easily happen. Like, my biggest, like. Like villain growing up, I don't want his kid dating my kid. I'm terrified of that happening, or just our kids becoming friends. But you know, only so much you can do in that respect. But not looking forward to that. It's like when we went on, you know, honeymoon. Like my main goal was not to make couples friends. 
if, oh. if, if Barry was going to do it, I was going to go swim away. I just, I was not, was not going to do it. That's our time. Don't make me meet new people. It's not, it's not for me. Se- right Semi Dan, the dumbs honeymoon story. Like the one day, like my wife was like, all right, this is a day we are just going to, you know, let our hair down and talk to everyone <laughs> at the bar. I was like, fine, I'll go along with it. And like by three o'clock, I got absolutely so hammered that I literally went up to my room like, my wife was like, all right, time to get ready for dinner. And I was passed out so hard that I missed dinner. Um, <laughs> Kim, Kim had to get a cheeseburger delivered to the room on our honeymoon because I, was, I had too many, quote, unquote, Bob Marley shots trying to, like, impress these new people. And I just totally fell on my fucking ass. So, Didn't you uh, yell at the, at the person who brought the... I, I, well, yeah, now we're getting real deep here. Uh, <laughs> I actually, I mean, I, I passed out w- without clothes, and um, when they came to deliver the cheeseburger, I woke up from a slumber, <laughs> and I was like, who the hell is that? And I just shut the door, like, right in this guy's face. Didn't remember at all. Um, you know, not, not one of my finer moments, but <laughs> luckily, like, you know, my wife was she was cool about it. I woke up to like her watching the real world at like one AM. I was like, What happened? Where where am I? But um yeah. The thing about was... Kim is the thing about Kim with these stories is she knew what she was getting into. It's not like oh, any yeah. of this shocked her. I just remember her always as we because you all started dating right at the end of college and as we were in our early to mid twenties and you're starting to transition you're still partying way too much, but you're starting to transition into Things are getting a little bit more serious. Like we would be out, and I vividly remember one time in Chicago where Kim, you and me and Mary are walking to the bar together, and Kim's like, "I mean, is he ever going to change?" And I look up, and you run right into a street sign five minutes, five seconds after she makes that comment, and I'm like, "This is what you got, Kim. I, I, like, take it or leave it. Like, this is this is who he is. This is how he's going to be. This is how it's going to be." And God love her, she has soldiered on. She has a she's yeah. been true, true trooper throughout all yeah. of this. I thought um, things would change when I have kids, but I don't no, think much change. Not really. Uh, we're going to talk about the Southern game. We're going to talk about the Furman game tonight. We're going to talk about the Syracuse football game on Saturday, Lamar Jackson appreciation, retiring his number, all that good stuff. But we've got to lead with the biggest story of the week in the Card Chronicle podcast world, and that is, Dan, I'm voicing the basketball intro this year. I mean... Uh, okay, when you sent me the video, like, do you remember the scene from Goodfellas when they found out that um, Tommy was going to get made and how happy <laughs> he was? Like, that was me. I was like, can you believe this guy? Paulie's going to make him. Like, I was literally so excited. I was, like, sending it to all my family members. Uh, oh, what? I mean, I, we, we, like, judge the intro video every single year. Oh, yeah. You know, we've been doing this for 20 years, and the fact that you've reached, like, the pinnacle, you're the voiceover on it, is just truly amazing. Yeah, I, I mean, it's truly amazing until the team starts playing like shit, and then I feel personally responsible. I've got a lot riding on this season, and I didn't realize how nervous I was until that Southern game on Tuesday night was a little too close for comfort early in the second half, and all I could think of was, we're going to lose this, we're going to break the streak of... You know, we haven't lost a November home game since 1972, and uh, I think we, we've never lost a KFC Yum Center home game in November, and all like all that stuff. And I was like, we're going to lose this, and I'm going to be taken off this thing after game one, because then they're going to have to change it entirely. I was terrified for a brief period, but the way, I know I've talked about this on 
um, the, the radio show a little bit this week, but the way it worked out was Tanner Provis, who, who put this together, who's fantastic. I mean, the, the video itself, like, forget me being in it, is just cool as hell. It's, it's an awesome yeah, intro awesome. video. But he hit me up a couple of weeks ago and was like, we're trying to use local voices. We want you just, you know, send us an audio clip of you talking like you're on the radio about this team, Louisville basketball in general, like what it's like to be a fan. Basically, like just talk about Louisville basketball for a little bit. So I, I wrote a, a script out, recorded it a few times. It was like three minutes long, sent it to him. And he was like, this is great. And then like 45 minutes later, I was like, we're doing something completely different. Like, like we, we just want you to voice it and it's going to be like a minute and a half. And here's a script. Can you read it? I recorded in my basement. You could faintly hear Virginia upstairs screaming bloody murder, which would have been fantastic to hear over the that gigantic new video scoreboard at the KFC Yum Center. Like my my two year old daughter just screaming bloody murder in the background. So recorded it again at the the radio station after our show. Sent it to him, and he was like, "This is great. This is perfect. When I'm done with this, I'll make sure I send you." a copy of the finished product. And that was like a week before the game against Southern. I don't hear anything back. So I'm just assuming they didn't use it. You know, like they they said, thanks, but no thanks. We did something different. There was another last minute change and I'm kind of bummed, but you know, whatever. Like it would have been the coolest thing ever. Uh, I was just, just happy to be invited to participate. And then the game happens on Tuesday and about five minutes before tip off, my phone just blows up. Like people who are there are texting me about it. People uh, are, are tweeting me about it, like, oh, my God, like, and I was like, holy shit. And then the video comes out, and I see it, and it's it, the coolest thing ever. As somebody who has been, you know, just so enamored with Louisville basketball, it's been such a big part of my life, not to get, you know, too deep or anything, but to to be a part of the intro video is uh, sort of a – it's a surreal moment. I've had oh, plenty of them I, over the years, but this is very, very cool. I mean, it, it really is. It's just absolutely nuts. And, I mean, you had told me, like, Hey, like I, they want me to like say something, um, and I'm gonna send it in. So that's all I knew. And then when I saw it, I was like, did he write this? And like, how did, like, did he watch the video beforehand and like know how to incorporate what to write, like with the video? But, um, now that you're spelling it all out and they gave you a script and everything, obviously it makes more sense. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just being involved with the program is cool enough, but to, to have your voiceover on the intro video, you know, now I guess if, if they start losing, maybe the guy who made the intro video will like, Hey, can you come back and just like send like subtle messages? It's like, <laughs> We've always been the underdog. It's like value the basketball. <laughs> Stop shooting threes, Dre. <laughs> <laughs> oh man Mary That's was a- like Mary was like what if they asked you to do the scream I was like well it wouldn't have been good I, I don't know what you want me to say that was that's kind of Malik Williams area um that yeah uh they didn't ask me to do the scream there was a like an ending part of the script that they didn't use where I I, I said something like are, are you ready for the next chapter or something the Chris Mack national championship quote and then the Malik Williams scream is a much much better way to end the video but if you haven't seen it check it out it's it's very cool. Yeah, um, Dan, I've given my thoughts of, about Southern on the website, on the radio. I'll share a few more here, but I want to give get your take. Cards win seventy two to sixty. Not exactly a work of art, but what was your primary takeaway from the season opener? I, so, like, I feel like over the years we've kind of switched roles. Like, 
I feel like maybe when we first started hanging out, when it came to Louisville basketball, you might have been more negative, and I felt like I was looking for the positive. And now I feel like the roles are kind of getting reversed. And I'm <laughs> more negative. So I'm 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 self-aware. I'm trying to work on it. So I'm not going to get you know totally down on on game one here because I know it is game one. There's a lot of factors. You know, um, interim Speak head your coach. Truth, Dan. Speak yeah, your truth. It, I am interim head coach. You know, an, a bunch of new pieces uh, coming off a weird year, totally new offense. So a lot working against them. However, that was not good. Um, I, I was very disappointed by what I saw. Um, and yeah, I mean, I was trying to look for positives and there just wasn't a whole lot. Again, you know, I think they're going to improve. I, I, I don't think it's going to be like that most of the time, obviously, but geez, I mean, defense, not great. I mean, no. uh, not keeping your guy in front of you. Rotations were late. Going after every single ball fake, um, and falling for it. Uh, even like stepping in, taking charges. Some of them looked a little shoddy on offense. We did not value the basketball at, at all. Took some horrendous shots. Uh, I mean, if, if you play like that the next two games, like I know that's like the cliche thing. Oh, like, you know, anyone can be beat, but really, I mean, you have to play better than that. And I think they will. Um, but it was a little bit concerning, but it is game one. So I'll, I'll give them a game one pass, but now I'm, I'm ultra focused. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you. It was discouraging. I thought the way that they played and if they play that way again tonight and we're recording this, some people might be listening to this after the game. If they play that way tonight, they're going to get beat because Furman is much, much better than Southern is. Southern is, I think, 316th in Ken Palm. Um, Furman has been top 100 team in Ken Palm all four years under Bob Ritchie. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about them before the end of the podcast. But the discouraging thing about the game to me was the long stretches where they just didn't seem to be locked in. The effort yeah. wasn't what it wasn't what it should have been. The defensive focus certainly wasn't what it should have been. And guys, I think just didn't look like they knew exactly how they fit in with what was being done out there. And they turned it on when they needed to, but that's not a great thing in a game like this. That that was my biggest problem with last year's team. And I, we talked about it in the podcast, I felt like at least three or four times throughout the course of last year, last season, that team seemed to think they were better than they were. Like, you know, we can just, tur- we're Louisville. We've got an NBA guy. We've got a conference player of the year candidate. We can turn it on when we want. And we can just show up and walk over the the Clemsons or the Georgia Techs or the Miamis of the world. And it, it bit them in the ass. And ultimately, it cost them a chance to play in the NCAA tournament. If this year's team doesn't learn that lesson much earlier than last year's team did, I fear that we may be in for a similar winter where we're talking way too much about net rankings and and bubbles and, and all that stuff. Because they raced out to a, what, 9-2 to two or 9-3 to three lead. It seemed like they just assumed Southern would go away after that. No, Southern bounces back. It's nip and tuck the rest of the first half. They finally step it up on defense near the end of the first half and get a, a nine-point lead again. And then Furman bounces right back and comes to, makes it a two-point game before the end of the half. And it just it was that way throughout. And the the main issue that we talked about on the pod last year of this team, for whatever reason, 
being terrible in the first segment after halftime. It happened again. They, they were yep. awful right after the break, and Furman actually took a lead uh, by two with, I think, 16 minutes to go. Or It was just I, – I, I didn't expect to see that. I, I thought they might not look great offensively. I thought the turnovers would happen just because it's a new system. I thought maybe there would be some nerves when it came to shooting. I didn't think the effort level – would ebb and flow the way that it did. And I'll credit Mike Begeese. It would have been very easy for him to come out after that game and say, you know, look, it's my first game. It's a unique situation with Mac being sidelined, all that stuff. It was just great to get a win. It doesn't matter how it looked. You just want to put this one in your pocket and we'll move on. And, and he didn't do that. He, he came out and he sounded pissed in his postgame press conference. He said uh, the exact quote was, our defensive rebounding has to improve drastically. Guys flat out have to play harder. We have to be better. That is our responsibility as a staff to get these guys ready to play Friday over the next two days. So they know it wasn't good enough. I think the players have to know it wasn't good enough. Individually, though, was there one or two guys that stood out to you as as sort of if we're looking for positives from this game? Looking for positives? um, I mean, obviously, Noah Locke on the offensive end, you know, I I think he's going to be someone we can rely on. Um, especially from outside the three-point lane, or three-point lane, I think uh, Sam rebounded well. I was happy with him, um, but honestly, I mean, not really. I, I, I'm again, I'm going back to the negatives. You know, Jalen Withers is someone that we are counting on this season, and my hope going to the season was. Maybe we'll have one to two games where he doesn't show up. Because last year it was very inconsistent. And for him to do it in the first game against a, a bad Southern team is is pretty worrisome. Yeah, uh, That just can't happen if this team wants to be successful. He's too talented. I think we're going to rely on him too much. Um, I, and I know we're deep. Um, but he's just able to do things on the court that not a lot of other guys on our team are able to do. Um, so he has to be more consistent. Um, man, I, I don't know. I just keep coming back to the defensive side of things. It, it just was very worrisome. I always judge a team, you know, how good they are. It seems like every good team that I've, Louisville's had that I've watched, like, is really good at getting the loose balls. Um, and for whatever reason, since, like, the Chris Mack era, it just hasn't happened and I was like, well, you know, maybe this year will change. And for, for them to come out against Southern, it seemed like Southern came up with every single loose ball, maybe until, like, late in the game there. To me, that's worrisome. That's an effort thing. You just can't let that happen against an inferior opponent. So, um, you know, the, the positives are that we won the game. You don't want to, obviously, your, your season already gets turned upside down if you lose it. So I'm happy that we won. Um, I'm, I'm definitely – uh, anxious to see what they look like tonight. I think it'll be a better effort, hopefully a more conscious effort to guard three-point shooters, because if we don't do that, it's going to be a long night. Uh-huh. Uh, but, yeah, all in all, I mean, really, there's, there's to me, there wasn't many positives to take away other than the fact that maybe we're just getting our sea legs and, you know, getting our first game underneath us. The the energy level to me was the the most troubling thing because it, Southern played with more energy basically the entire game. I mean, they were the team, like you said, scrapping for loose balls. They were the team when there was a break in the action, like all five guys are running over to, to huddle up and, and look excited. Their bench was more into it than ours. And it seems like little stuff, but when you watch teams that go to Final Fours and that win national titles, 
none of them have the dipping energy level that Louisville had on Tuesday night. Like their their benches are always engaged. Their guys are always running over to help one another up. They're always looking enthusiastic on the floor. And we had guys who just kind of they looked like they were going through the motions on Tuesday yep. night. Way too many of them. And that to me was was worrisome. And like I said, when it got a little bit too close for comfort, we picked it up and we actually looked good defensively. Which I mean, it, it's a good thing that we can defend a little bit against a team like Southern. But why you wouldn't come out and play with that intensity level for all forty minutes is beyond me. You're not that good. Like I don't know if you check the yeah. rankings. You're, you're not in there. I don't know if you check the the preseason bracket projections. The guys that do have you in the tournament don't have you in comfortably. Like you, we're not just going to show up and do this and be a, a top four ACC team. You can get there. I think we have the ability. I think we have the, the the roster, but it's going to take maximum effort every single night, and they did not give that on Tuesday. I did think uh, Matt Cross was an obvious standout. I thought Sam Williamson was an obvious standout to me. Both yep. those guys played with good energy. They seemed to kind of know what they were supposed to be doing. Um, Cross, of, of course, has his finger popped in a 90-degree angle at the end of the first half, comes back, and still plays a, a tremendous second half. And those two guys, it was obvious – the difference when they were off the floor, we just didn't look, we, we looked disjointed when, when you didn't have one of those two on there. When they, when they were both on the floor together, I think they played really well. Matt Cross at the four and Sam Williamson at the three. Um, I, yeah, back- I forgot, I forgot to mention Cross. He, he I thought, I mean, obviously he's great. he was, he was great. He was one of the, the bright spots. And I think he's going to be key for us all year because it looks, I mean, and we've heard this from Chris Mack, there's just more to his game than, you know, stepping out beyond the three-point line. You know, he's someone that will, you know, kind of get getting tussles in the middle of the lane if he needs to. It seems like he gives 110% effort, someone that we can rely on. So I, I am excited about him. I do wonder, and, and this is just like a natural thing, like sometimes if, you're, if your coach isn't around, it's just natural for you to maybe let your guard down a little bit or maybe play not as buttoned up or a little bit looser. You know, it's like if you're in high school, if your teacher's out, you have a substitute teacher, everyone kind of, you know, yeah. they, cut, they cut up a little bit more. And um, I, I wonder if, you know, maybe that had something to do with it. I, I have no idea. But, I mean, like you said, the, the effort level was questionable. I did. I mean, Cross is – the right kind of crazy for a team yeah. like this. I, I think he's that guy. I mean, he's the, he's the guy who, when he had that finger knocked in a direction that fingers aren't supposed to go, you know, he doesn't fall on the floor and roll around. He just, he, he like stared at it and just like walked over slowly uh, to the trainer and was like, hey, look, can you can you do something like this? And, and it, look, we all saw it because the fucking cameras had to zoom in on it for 25 seconds. But I liked when he was the, the, the representative at the, the, pregame press conference on Thursday and he got asked about the finger and he just said, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> What's the exact quote? Like, that's it. That's all you have to say. But between he and Williamson, I thought that they did a really good job of just doing the dirty work and getting out there. The backcourt, here's the, I don't know if you feel the same way. We've talked about depth all preseason in positive terms. You know, we're going to be able to, to come at you in waves. We can play this mm-hmm. new style because we've got you know, five guards who can all play and all these forwards and the battle for competition in practice. I think maybe we saw a little bit of the downside to this depth, especially depth with a bunch of guys who have been the main guy offensively for most of their college careers, because it just seemed like 
everybody who hadn't taken a shot in three or four possessions just kind of got the ball in their hands and was like, all right, it's my turn. Like, I, I'm going to go. Regard, I don't care if it's a product of the offense. I'm shooting this time. I mean, L. Ellis had that mentality a few times. Uh, I think Jared West had that mentality a few times. It it just it seemed forced from a, a lot of players, and that's understandable given, like, Jared West was offensive option one at Marshall. Noah Locke was a scorer every year he was at Florida. Uh, L. Ellis was clearly scoring option number one in junior college. Mason Faulkner, he's been the primary scoring option everywhere he's gone. Sam Williamson probably thought he was going to be the primary scoring option here. Jalen Withers, same way. So you've got all these guys who feel like I can average 17, 18 points per game. It's going to take some time for them to realize that none of this is going to work if they are at all selfish. Like this has to be getting the ball to the right guy in the right situation and sacrificing yourself a little bit. And it doesn't seem like there was enough of that on Tuesday. And that's, I think it's one of those things that's just going to have to happen with time. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And we talked about this last pod. It seems like this team might take a little bit longer to come together just because of all the new pieces, Um, which is, which is fine. I mean, um, but obviously we'd rather them come together quickly than, you know, uh, obviously not having it, you know, happen all season. But with that being said, it, there's a couple things that, that kind of stand out to me. I mean, we know L. Ellis is explosive, um, and everything that Chris Mack has said about him kind of, you know, reigns to be true. He can be very loose with the ball. Um, but he does things, you know, from a guard standpoint that we really don't have a lot of other guards, you know, that can do that. Although we haven't really seen what Mason Faulkner is fully capable of yet. I think, um, Jared West, I think we kind of know what we're going to get, although he did make some careless passes. He had some nice plays. He, I know he drew a charge. Um, you know, he gambled a bit too much on defense, missed a couple steals and that led to buckets from them. So, you know, a guard, I think it's just going to be a position where it's okay. I don't think we're going to blow anyone away, but they just need to be solid. They need to learn the offense. They got to value the ball. Um, what's a little worrisome for me is I think we're really going to need a guy that we're able, you know, if things aren't working on offense, I know we're going to go faster, but I don't know who we're just going to be able to dump the ball into and make like a one-on-one post move. Like before Malik got hurt, like both years, two years ago and last year, it seemed like he was finally starting to click in the post as far as him being able to get the ball, you know, turning over his shoulder, make, making a nice jump hook. And, you know, obviously he's coming back from an injury. So right now he's kind of not where he needs to be probably from an offensive, defensive, or in-shape standpoint. But it doesn't seem like Jalen Withers is a guy you can really just like, hey, post up and let's get a bucket here. You know, I know he's very athletic, but it seems like, He's kind of all around the court. So I'm looking for someone that, hey, if we need a basket, if we're struggling, if we're going through a drought, we can just dump it into this guy to kind of, you know, break things up here. And uh, hopefully it's it's Malik. Hopefully Jalen kind of develops into that. Who knows what we're going to get out of Sidney Curry. He looked, you know, okay from a finishing standpoint, I guess. There were some things, obviously, he didn't do well. Um, but I think we're going to need to develop that over the course of the year. Yeah, you're saying we could basically use like a Stephen Enoch, a guy who, because he was really good at that, just one-on-one ISO. If they're overextending to keep us from, yep. uh, you know, knocking down an outside shot or to keep our guards out of the lane, just throw it into him. That little jump hook that he had was money. And Malik, he, he didn't look fully healthy. And I don't know if it was just him being out of shape or 
the foot still bothering him or, or having a mental block about it. But what did you make also, I wanted to ask you about this, him not starting because they mentioned during the broadcast, it wasn't just a, because when I saw in the, the, the pregame tweet that he wasn't starting and Sidney Curry was, I assumed it was more of a, we need Malik in January, February, and March. We're going to bring him along slowly. Let's not start him against Southern just because we want to limit his minutes. But they said on the broadcast, like this was a, a coaching decision. Chris Mack, before the clock struck midnight and his ban took effect, he told Mike Begies, like, we're not starting Malik. We, this is a message-sending type deal, which shouldn't need to be happening with a guy who's been in the program for 35 years and is a th- three-time captain. But he didn't – I don't know. He, he didn't look as engaged as you'd, as you'd like, and he looked a little bit out of shape. And it was a, a weird dynamic to start the season for a guy who you figured was going to be – the person who was going to keep us from being unfocused in games like this. Yeah. See, to me, he's the one guy on the team that I'm really not going to worry about too much. Um, and I, I figured I, I kind of banked on him coming back a little bit slower. It's going to take him time to kind of get back in rhythm. Um, I mean, obviously we'd like to see a hundred percent full healthy Malik out there, but he's been through a lot the last two years. Um, it's going to take him some time to kind of get back into that basketball shape or that basketball, you know, acumen. But as far as him not starting, I don't know. I mean, coaches have different ways of sending a message. Maybe it was just, you know, to maybe show the other guys on the team that this interim coaching staff to kind of give them some validity of saying, Hey, I know Chris Mack's not here, but if you don't give it like you're supposed to in practice, you know, it's we'll do it to anyone and that includes the captain Malik Williams so don't think that we can you know we can take away your minutes whenever we need to so maybe it was kind of show the team that you know um they're in charge and you know they mean business or however you want to say that but I'm not worried about him I still think he'll be there at the end of the season um it's just going to take him a little bit of time yeah if that was the if that was the message being sent not sure it was received based on the yeah. way the team played. I, no, yeah, I agree. I mean, obviously, we didn't see what we wanted to see on Tuesday, but um, I don't know. I still have faith they'll come out, you know, a lot better tonight. But if they don't, we're in trouble. All right, I'm going to ramble about Furman here in a second. Before we do, want to remind you guys this podcast brought to you by our friends over at Homefield Apparel. Go to homefieldapparel.com. Check out their full arrangement of college gear, college apparel brand. They've got Louisville stuff. You've seen people wearing this home field apparel gear all over town at this point. They've got Duncan Cardinal Bird stuff. They've got a Scott Satterfield t-shirt. They've got hoodies. They've got long sleeve. They've got everything you need. And then the softest t-shirts and the softest hoodies you can find anywhere. And if you use the promo code CHRONICLE15, all one word at checkout, it's going to save you 15% off your first purchase. We love home field apparel. Even though they have Kentucky stuff now, that's okay. They, they, they expanded. They've got just about everybody, so you can't we, we can't use that as a badge of honor anymore. But if you want, you know, weird looking college apparel from obscure Division two teams, they've got that. If you want, if you went to a different school than U of L and you want your college brand there, they've probably got that as well. So hit them up today. And it's not the, the Chronicle fifteen promo doesn't just work with Louisville gear. If you want to buy other stuff as a gift or for yourself, you can use that promo code. And it's going to save you 15% on that first purchase as well. Chronicle15, homefieldapparel.com. Shout out to Homefield Apparel for being our sponsor, uh, as always. All right, Dan, I, I do this every year. We have one of our buddies always makes fun of me for hyping up these mid-major teams that are dangerous on our schedule. He's always like, well, we're going to win by 40. And it, to not toot my own horn, 
more times than not, these wind up being closer games than the average fan would give it credit for. I've got one guy on Twitter already who said, uh, I was like, we need to be more locked in tonight. He's like, not sure how locked in they need to be. As long as they're not locked out of the Yum Center, they should demolish this Carolinian cupcake. It's like, thank you for not reading my fucking preview, dude. Like, I, I just I just wrote a whole preview about why Furman is a good basketball team. Uh, and we're only eight and a half point favorites in this game. So it's not like the rest of the world sees us as uh, a team that should blow out the Paladins. This is a, this is a good team. They've got one of the best coaches in the entire country at any level, I think, in Bob Ritchie. They've got shooters everywhere. They've got cutters everywhere. They start four seniors. This is, it's a team that beat Villanova on the road two seasons ago. Damn near beat Nate Oates in Alabama on the road last year. It was an 83 to 80 game, uh, down there. Took, uh, the Auburn team that went to the final four, took them to overtime three years ago. This is what they do. They play teams like us very close or beat them in November and December. I, I mean, I would love it if we win by 20, but if we do, I'm not going to say, well, we shouldn't have been afraid of Furman. I'm going to say we just played a hell of a game. This is going to be a, t- a test for this team. No, I mean, I completely – I mean, anytime a team makes 22 threes, I mean, it, your eyes are open no matter what. But I think that mindset from fans is, you know, <laughs> it's weird. Like, when you come off of football, I mean, that just rarely happens where, you know, a, uh, a an FCS team comes in and, and beats, like, a Power 5 team or something like that. And I think that's, like, what a lot of – people's mindset is when they're like watching college basketball like oh well Furman you know they probably barely have a basketball program but I mean obviously that's not the case I mean they're very good um at this point you're in the season when you're playing these teams you just want to avoid losses I mean um and that's obviously stating the obvious but you don't want to <laughs> yeah, you don't want to lose but you don't want that you want to look at your resume in March and have bad loss Furman next to it is what I'm trying to say so um would I like to cover the spread yes uh would I like to play well yes but all in all like let's win this game and move on yeah, and Furman is kind of an imperfect p- opponent for this team if we're not going to be focused defensively because they make you, they make you be engaged for all 40 minutes because they are, they very much embody this modern form of college basketball or basketball in general where they just take threes and layups. So they have, and they, they probably won't take 44 three pointers like they did in their season opener against us. Uh, they made, like you said, 22 of those. That was a school record, but they, it, like that's going to be their offense because they have ranked in the nation's top 20 in three point attempts all four seasons under Richie. And kind of like incredibly, they're also in the top 10 in two point field goal percentage each year as well. And that's because they don't take two point jumpers. They don't take that, the, the shot that all the analytics say is the worst shot in, in, in basketball. They were 340th out of 358 D1 teams last year in percentage of two, two point jumpers taken. So if it's not a layup or not a three, they're probably not going to take it, but they have, like I mentioned, they start four seniors. They all play really well together. A lot of cuts, a lot of unselfishness. You know, there's not a sense of, hey, I'm the dude on this team. I'm going to take the three. If there's an open guy out there, everybody knows they all can shoot it. So it's just find the open man, take the best shot available. Uh, Mike Bothwell, their senior guard, is probably the first player everybody needs to know about. He's he's not your standard mid-major guard in terms of athleticism or just overall skill. He's a very, very athletic 6'3 guard. He shoots it real well. He's a terrific passer. He's a great defender. He's going to be trying to pick like Jared West and, and Ellis, pick their pockets all season long, all night long. 
They also have their their multi-year starting point guard, Alex Hunter, back. He's a fifth-year guy, used that extra year of eligibility to come back. One of the most efficient players in all of college basketball. He was six of nine from three in their season opener. Uh, he he doesn't screw up. Like He's very hard to turn over, very good assist man. Basically, that's what you need to know about Furman. Everybody they put on the floor can shoot it. They all cut. They all pass well. They all defend well. Um, they've been a very good defensive team under Richie. They just, they're solid all the way around. And the only way that you can counteract that is to use your superior skill and athleticism. And we didn't do that against Southern. Southern, yeah. like Furman, did not have a true big man. Furman is going to start a, a six foot nine guy named Garrett Heen, who's like real thin. He's 205 pounds. They don't have another player taller than six foot nine who they're going to, to throw out there at us. Southern didn't either. And you wouldn't have known it if you watched the game. Like Jalen Withers and Malik Williams should have been dominating against that front court. They they didn't. And if if that's your primary advantage against a team like that, and you don't take advantage of that more than you did on Tuesday night, it's going to be a long night because these dudes are going to score. They're going to get open looks. They're going to make open looks, and they're going to make you work defensively, offensively to get open looks. So it's I don't know. I know I'm just hammering this point home, but this is absolutely yeah. going to be a test for this team. And not that I'm like, I mean, obviously I'm not happy that we didn't play well on Tuesday, but if there's a game where it's like, you know what, that actually might be good for us because, um, you know, we can get away with that against Southern. I mean, they're, they're not good. I'd be surprised if they had any success this year. Um, but now you're not only you not play good, you got the coach's attention. They're going to be focused on your bad habits. Now you see that Furman, you know, in their first game hits 22 three-pointers. You know that you didn't guard the three-point line good enough on, you know, on Tuesday. So now you have the team's full attention. So hopefully that's a good thing. Hopefully the players are taking this seriously um, and they come out and give their best effort tonight. So maybe that bad showing on Tuesday could possibly be a blessing in disguise to get these guys a little more focused for tonight. I'm hoping so because the the game that Tuesdays reminded me of the most was the season opener in Mac's first year where we played Nickel State and they were maybe the worst team on our schedule. I think I remember saying they may have been the worst team in D1, and it oh, was yeah. like it was like nip and tuck in the second half. And um, Mac, sort of like we were saying with Mike McGee at the beginning of the pod, Mac comes out and he's not doing the whole, well, it's just happy to, to just glad to have the first one under my belt and move on. Like, he was pissed off. He was like, we didn't play hard enough, we didn't play well enough, and in a season opener, there's no excuse for it. And that team bounced right back and played, coincidentally enough, Southern in their second game and won by 50. So, not saying we're going to beat Furman by 50, but if we give that same type of bounce-back effort, we should be able to win this game by, you know, a decent amount, hopefully, like, double digits or, or high single digits, but Again, it, it's I'll be I will not be surprised if this game goes down to the, the the final minutes and it's a little bit just nip and tuck and we're all very very scared. But hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully we take care of business. But it's going to take a, a superior effort. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Any parting thoughts here on hoops before we talk a little football? Um, no. Let's just let's just get a W tonight and move into kind of the Thanksgiving part of the schedule. Speaking of needing a W, the, uh, the the Louisville football team, after yet another fourth quarter loss, we, we don't need to even rehash the Clemson game because yeah. what, what's the point at this uh, at this juncture? Louisville now taking on a, a Syracuse team that we kind of had this game circled as, well, you're going to beat Duke and Syracuse. What other games can you win? And that's not 
really the case anymore. Syracuse has been better than anybody thought they were going to be in conference play. Like us, they lost a bunch of games in the middle part of their schedule that were one possession games where they felt like they should have won late in the fourth quarter. They now have won two games in a row, uh, beat Virginia Tech in a shootout. That's a little bit troubling. Cards only a three point favorite here. We're four and five. They're five and four. Both of us really need this game to feel like we're going to be in a bowl game because Syracuse ends its regular season against Pitt and NC State, who are both nationally ranked. Uh, it is Lamar Jackson Day. It's a noon kickoff. This is it's a game that is important for a lot of reasons. You don't want to lose on Lamar Day. You don't want to lose the Syracuse period. For Scott Satterfield, if he's going to avoid the disaster of, of missing a bowl game in consecutive seasons, kind of feels like this is a a monster W for him. Yeah, it, it's hard to do a podcast about the football team because you just feel like you're being repetitive every single week because it's yep. like the same movie every single day. There's really nothing more to say. I mean, we all see what's going on. We're close. We just can't get over the hump. Like, it is what it is. But I, I thought about it, and I guess I, I didn't really put a ton of value in, like, us making a bowl game at the beginning of the season. You know, I was like, hey, if it happens, that'd be great. I think I had us finish 6-6, six and six, um, <laughs> which, you know, still could happen. But um, so – with that being said, I think it's going to be very important for this team to make a bowl game. I, I think they're going to need any sort of momentum they can heading into next season. Um, and, God, we just got to get two more wins. I mean, it, it, a win this week would be huge because, I mean, you feel pretty good about Duke. Um, but this is, you know, all of a sudden becomes a really big game for this team. Um, and, you know, I don't know. There's really nothing less to say. You just, just got to finish. That's all you can do. Yeah, and Syracuse has one of the best running backs in the entire country in, in Sean Tucker. I think he's second now. He was leading the, the nation in rushing before last week, and the kid from Michigan State overtook him. Um, they also have Garrett Schrader, quarterback from Mississippi State. If that name sounds familiar, he was the kid who was supposed to start against us in the Music City Bowl a couple of years ago, and I believe got punched by his teammate, and uh, we ended up playing their, their backup, I think their third-string quarterback, actually. And Schrader also was wildly rumored to be transferring to Louisville last offseason. Um, some people thought it was a, a done deal almost, and he ends up going to Syracuse. He's had a really good year. He's not a terrific thrower. He is a very good runner. Rushing attack is is Syracuse bread and butter. Their defense also considerably improved. They made some significant changes at the on the defensive coaching staff. So it's, it, it's going to be a test. Um, the bigger... I think storyline for Louisville is Lamar Jackson coming back, retiring his number eight, the ceremony, the, you know, is the fan attendance going to be good? Can people who don't attend the game actually find this game on regional sports networks? It's just, it's not where we want to be. It's not, it, it doesn't feel like a fitting tribute to Lamar, but it is what it is. I, I don't know. Yeah. When it was announced that this was going to be the game and this was going to be the time, I get that they're sort of at the mercy of his schedule, you know, the yeah. only reason he's able to come to town this weekend is because the Ravens played uh, Thursday night. But still, it just – I don't know, Dan. It, it it feels like this should be a bigger deal, and it's it, its kind of not. It, I know. It bugged me when I kind of first heard about it because we all had the same thought, like how many people are going to be in the crowd. Um, you know, is this the, the, the fitting tribute that he deserves? Probably not. But it, like you said, at this point – it is what it is. You know, whoever's there, obviously they're going to show the love and admiration that he deserves. Um, I'm, I'm happy that it's happening quickly. And so, I mean, like 
Oklahoma State, for instance, um, you know, they're just now retiring very senior number, which like which is seems ridiculous. Yeah, it's like okay, well, at least we're being proactive and and doing it, and we're not waiting, you know. 30 years. I mean, we're talking about Barry Sanders here. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, we all love Lamar. Um, it's a great thing that's happening. Um, do we wish there was more fans in the stands? Yes, but, um, I, I'm sure that he'll feel love and appreciated no matter what. And UFL does back off the blackout, which a lot of people enjoyed. They, at the beginning of the week, they were like, Hey, just so you guys remember, it's a blackout game. And everybody was like, well, no, it's not. Well, because, because I'm not wearing black. It's a it's a noon game against Syracuse. We're doing Lamar Jackson stuff. I want to wear my red Lamar Jackson jersey or my my purple Ravens Lamar Jackson jersey. And then U of L uh, later in the week comes out and says, "Hey, not a blackout. It's a wear whatever the hell you want." Although I did like the way that they worded it in the press release, where it was, "We want you to, uh, you know." You can wear whatever you want, but like support Lamar Jackson and also our veterans. It was like, okay, well, <laughs> like camo Lamar jersey. Here it's I come. The only option you've got. A couple people actually posted pictures that they had a, a camo Lamar jersey that we wore a few years ago. So I was like, well, if we could get fifty thousand of those, it may it may look pretty cool, but probably not going to happen. Are uh, you I don't... a camo guy, Mike? <laughs> no. <laughs> I knew the Have answer you ever, to that. I just wanted to hear it. Hear can it you me. imagine me in camo? It just, no, it's I, like, not a good I, you might me. be out of like the, all the people I know in the world, you might be dead last of the person I could see actually pulling off camo. I'm and the least camo person you know. There's no question about it. My son like loves it and I've never worn camo <laughs> in my life. I'm like, like he like wears it to school. I'm like, what kind of signal, you know? I don't know, but, uh, yeah, I, I just thought that was a funny question. We're losing the hunting audience of the Card Cardinal yeah, Podcast. Yeah, sorry. I mean, we, we love all, all people on here. All Cardinal fans. Yeah. All Cardinal fans. Uh, yeah, it's just, I can't pull it off. I can't do it. But if you can, sport it on Saturday. Whatever. It's where whatever the hell you want. Just, I do feel so sorry for the social media people right now at UofL, on the football side at least, because, yeah. you know, Plus. when, it's a tough spot, and when when the team's doing well, and you you post, you know, they do the uniform reveal every single week, every every single Wednesday. It's like here's what we're wearing on Saturday, and when the team's playing well, it's this is fire, like this is great, like oh yeah, hell yeah. And when the team's not playing great, you post that again, it's your job, and all the responses are like, win some goddamn football games. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're so bad. like when you're when you are when you're the social media guy and your team's winning. You can get a little loose on Twitter. You can go kind of, oh, yeah. you know, throw back some, uh, you know, comebacks to other fan bases and, you know, you can be a little bit witty. When you're losing, it takes away like 75% of what you can actually do and like what your strength is as a social media guy. So, um, yeah, hang in there, social media team. We're thinking about you. I mean, they, they can't post anything without getting the same exact responses. It's like, the game time has been announced. Here you go. Here's your information. It's like, win some games. Who cares yeah. what time the teams play? I'm just like, this, it's not their fault. They, they can't, they can't help it. But I, I, I do share the sentiment. I'd like to start winning more football games, but hopefully that happens on Saturday. Um, yeah. I don't really have any other football thoughts. I, I, I feel like I get worn out talking about football on the radio show because like you said, it's so repetitive. And on Monday, I wasn't even, like, I was still furious the Monday after the weight game and the Virginia game. And Monday, the only reason I was still mad about the loss was just because it was Clemson and I despised them so much. And I feel like we left another one out there. But as far as the actual way the game took place, 
how mad can I keep being? You know, yep. it's it's like when if here let's do the relationship equaling sports type deal. It's like if you get cheated on five times. After a while, you're just kind of like, this is more on me for, for caring than it is. Like I know what's gonna happen. I if my heart breaks the exact same way the fifth time as it did the first time, that's more on me than it is the people doing this. So I don't know. It's just that I think that's kind of where we all are at this point. And I've my mindset has totally changed. I, I'm I'm obviously no longer thinking about this potentially being a special season or a stepping stone to greatness or anything like that. I just want this team to get to a bowl game. I want them to have that extra time to practice. I want to have a good off season where we bring in some hopefully good recruits, good transfers. And then next year, I think, is the year where you really have to hold Scott Satterfield accountable for whatever good or bad happens. Because unless unless we lose out, it's hard for me to envision him not being back next year. So let's, you know, hopefully, let's, let's make a run. Let's get it going. Hopefully Malik comes back. I know he's his mom said on Louisville Sports Live last week that he's 50-50 about returning, which is not exactly what we want to hear right now. But uh, odd times for the Louisville football program and hoping for the best. The one thing that he can do to get all the vibes back uh, in his corner, be Kentucky. And we'll talk more about that, I'm sure, once we get to Thanksgiving week. But I'll tell you right now, a, a, a Pierce Clarkson commit wouldn't actually <laughs> hurt too bad either. We could use one of those. We were talking about this on the radio. I, I think it's so hilarious that the first Scott Satterfield pot pipeline for recruiting could be to the West Coast. Like, yeah. Callie Scott. Like, can you think of anybody <laughs> less California than I, Scott oh, man, Satterfield? I'm mad I missed this segment. This is right. Oh, God. Head. That's hilarious. Scotty Satterfield. Knows how to party. Like, West Coast sat. He's just, like, throwing the, the West Coast hand signs. Like, the man had never left Boone, North Carolina until, like, three years ago. And then now... He's just, like, out in Oregon going to Tame Impala concerts with the recruits. <laughs> you guys smoke that good good? Like, oh, good man, one. I fucking love Tame, don't you? Yeah. yeah um, that's so funny. <laughs> I mean, Satterfield just taking up weed, getting very into marijuana culture, like would just be lovely. But that's, I mean, Pierce Clarkson and those other uh, three four-star kids from St. John Bosco, if we somehow could get all of them, it would be, we'd have the pipeline. That'd be our first area where we're just dominating recruiting. California, the least uh, equipped staff, I guess, outside of Court Dennison, who's no longer uh, participating in team activities, the least equipped staff to handle the West Coast, but you never know. Here we are. Um Let's say we haven't uh, – there are other things to talk about, but we don't – we're running out of time here. Quick shout-out, field hockey is in the NCAA tournament today, taking yeah. on uh, Harvard and then hopefully Michigan to try to, to go off with the national title. Volleyball, still undefeated, number one in the country. Dude, They're that's awesome, by the way. That's really cool. It's so cool, and I like I, I say this sincerely. Get on the bandwagon now because I feel like this is going to be a thing where when they start playing in the NCAA tournament, all Louisville fans are going to jump on sort of the same way that Kentucky fans did last year. And volleyball is fun to watch. Like it's it moves quickly. It's not hard to really pick up. The team is so good. They're so skilled. They make incredible plays almost every point, it seems like. Um, they're a whole lot of fun. And they're going to play Georgia Tech tonight on Friday. Uh, 14th ranked Georgia Tech, who's the only team that besides Louisville that's knocked off Pitt. So this is a big time match for them as they continue to chase an undefeated season. Uh, that's a lot of fun. 
The men's basketball team, we also should mention they play Navy on Monday, a Navy team that just beat Virginia. Not sure if we'll do a podcast before then, but that'll be another test. Uh, women's basketball team kicks off their season tonight in Sioux Falls uh, with a, a top 25 game against Arizona. Like, that's going to be a whole lot of fun. There's there's all sorts of stuff happening in Cardinal Athletics, Dan. It's not just football and men's basketball. We are – it's the busiest time of the year, which is great for people like us who have a – combined five kids so <laughs> yeah no I agree um yeah and I you know with, on this pod it seems like we focus on the two sports but it, it does seem like the other sports are definitely the momentum is starting to roll a little bit so you hope that kind of feeds into the big sports as well but yeah the volleyball thing is awesome I really do I think people are going to jump on the bandwagon and that tournament run is going to be electric all right do you have a, a Dan in the dump story for this week um, well, besides the fact I just wrote a check to some electrician for 700 bucks for a new overhead garage door. And I have like, oh, I no. talked to you about this. I'm like, I don't even know like how much this costs. Uh, oh, so no. if I got ripped off, it is what it is, but not, not really a day in the dumps. But when I was in Indiana the other day, I like hopped off. I was driving, just hopped off one of the exits to go grab something to eat. And like, I'm like, Am I hallucinating? Here comes like this Hyundai going the wrong way onto the off. Like I'm getting off the off ramp and she is going the wrong way, like directly towards me. I was like, is my life about to end here? And I think it's called like, uh, Vincennes, Indiana, but that wasn't like the, the part, not that she was going the wrong way. The part that like I kind of like laughed at was I looked at this lady's face and it looked like, she didn't have a care in the world that she was already like 50 yards away from like already making a bad turn. No effort to turn around. She's just cruising right almost directly into me. But, um, yeah, go make sure you get on the uh, right exit, kids. That's a bad Dana dump. Ah, dude, we're, I, I, I gave I gave the uh, the honeymoon one earlier, but yeah, honeymoon uh, story was better. The honestly, the. The paying money and not having any idea how much a garage door costs was probably better too. Yeah. There's nothing, there's nothing funny about wrong way on the highway, Dan. (sighs) I'm sorry. Yeah. It sends. That was bad, but, um, what are you going to do? I'm grasping for straws here. Well, on that note, we encourage you to subscribe to the podcast wherever you can find podcasts. It's the quickest way to know when new episodes are out. If you want to give us a rating, if you want to leave us a review, we always appreciate. We read the reviews when you leave them on episodes. No new ones this week. So um, if you want, again, open market now. If you want to have your review read on the podcast, get that in this week. Even if it's funny, even if it's you know just bashing us, we don't care. We'll read them. Uh, we want to see those. Um, and that's really it. We're going to talk to you guys at some point again next week. We'll have basketball recaps. We'll have football recaps. We'll recap the Lamar Jackson festivities, and hopefully all of the Cardinal sports will be rolling. So until we talk to you guys then, go Cards. Go Cards. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.